Struggling with perfectionism in your homeschool? Feeling like you're never going to achieve the picture-perfect Instagram story of the perfect child in front of the perfect book? Stop striving for perfection and look for the peace. Choose your schooling your way perfectly. Hello everyone, it's Salima here. I'm giving a bit of a why we were missing for a bit. Um, ever since we started this podcast journey, we've had tech glitches along the way. And well, I took it as ask God to help you start a podcast, right? And about imperfections and well, he's going to hold you to it. So as I was speaking to with, with my friend the other day about what happened and how it didn't upload to the platform, she mentioned how she listened to it again and it ministered to her. Even though she was the one speaking, it ministered to her in a sense. This was just another reminder that his purposes will come out no matter what we plan. And so I hope you enjoy this episode as Jesse and I explore what it means to mother our children while serving God's people and our callings and dealing with imperfections that life holds. But his purposes are going to come out anyway. So I'm really hoping that this will encourage you as much as the process itself has encouraged me. I'll talk to you guys soon and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Jesse. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Salima? Pretty good. Um, so welcome to my podcast. This is my second episode of my inaugural season. And I say season in faith that you know, we're going to have a lot more um, to come. And I am really happy to have Jesse, who's a personal friend and a fellow homeschooler, but who also has a um, very, very cool and interesting job. So um, Jesse, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, sure. Uh, well, I just first of all feel so honored that you thought to ask me, and I'm really happy to be here. Um, so uh, my name is Jesse Kuhn, and I've got three kids, um, Carson, who's eight, Ruby, six, and Loretta, three. Think about that. <laughs> um, and uh, I started homeschooling two years ago. So we went, we did one year, first year kindergarten in public school and then pulled out in 2019. So, um, for first grade and, um, then the pandemic hit and it was kind of like a trial and we keep saying it, we're doing it year by year to kind of see where the Lord's leading. And so, um, I was just so grateful that he called us to pull out into homeschooling before COVID because I have had such just compassion on all the moms that or parents who have tried to homeschool in the midst of all of this for the first time and just the stress and how all the challenges that come with that. And I felt like so prepared by the Lord um, that we already had a system. We already had a curriculum. It was nothing, you know, we were ready. Um, yeah, so I homeschool the kids, and then I also work part-time as the clinical director for a counseling ministry called The Oaks, um, where we work with uh, missionaries and cross-cultural workers overseas, offering counseling and debriefing and spiritual direction and um, prayer ministry. Um, we And when we can't serve them directly, we are a referral base for um to connect missionaries to counselors all over the States. So I spend a lot of time talking to other Christian counselors all over the States. Um, so that connecting them to missionaries who need a good counselor, who's willing to see them online, which is thankfully becoming a lot more normal these days. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we are set up as like missionaries to missionaries. So um, I am support funded to be able to offer our services pro bono for missionaries overseas that are on full-time support and don't have the resources to cover counseling fees. Um, and you guys cover that through donations, right? So I'm yeah. going so that people, if, you know, if anyone's interested and, you know, God puts it on your heart and you want to know more, I mean, I think it's a great organization and so valuable right now because I couldn't even, okay, so I'm here in the ETX and I just can't even imagine being overseas right now and with a pandemic and the different challenges that the health crisis brings. But so, yeah, what a great organization yeah. great job you guys are doing. That's awesome. Um, so yeah. topic for today, yeah. managing a homeschool while you're working and pursuing a passion. And, you know, um, it's funny because I have a friend who's a photographer and we were talking about this recently and she likes to do what she does. And I think that sometimes, you know, as a homeschooling parent, I feel sometimes like I, I obviously have passions. I like to teach piano. That's, it brings me a different set of emotions and joy. And, and so it's sometimes like we're homeschooling and that takes a lot of energy and effort, but yet we work and we're employed. How do you personally manage being a homeschool educator and a counselor. Cool. And if you need, you know, if you, if you want, tell us what a typical day looks like. Okay. I mean, I feel like I might be able to write a book on that <laughs> question someday, but I'll start with my answer today. Um, like I want to be able to write a book on that, I should say, but I don't have it yet. Um, but the past couple years have been extremely sanctifying and um, I'm a work in progress. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I hear you when you say, I love that you identified like the passion of uh, something kind of outside of parenting or homeschooling, because I always say this kind of jokingly, but it's also somewhat true is that it took three kids for me to realize that the Lord was calling me to be a mom. Um, it took three kids. Yeah. Wow. Um, obviously, I knew I was a mom with two kids, but I could still, my calling seemed first to be a counselor. Um, and like the mom was like something that I was just, it was almost like, it didn't seem like a call. That's all I can say. Um, it seemed like a, more of like a job. Like my call was to serve and to counseling. And that's where my gifting is. And it comes naturally. And I I've, I feel like he's gifted me in that. Gifted as a parent, I'm growing and learning and surrendering daily. Um, but it's my shock, right? Yeah. Shock on my face is because I've done school with you. Mm -hmm. and your patience is far beyond. I mean, your your kids exhibit your same level of kindness. Um, I am really to hear you say that is really encouraging, Jesse. And well, will, what you've seen is just like it really is the grace of God because um, it has been. I mean, baby number two broke me. <laughs> like as far as like the perfectionism and trying to do it all. And then baby number three was like, whoa, because baby number two, 
I went from being in private practice to stepping into ministry. Like that's where I got after her. She's Ruby. She's my gym. Like the Lord really spoke to me about serving him with my gift um, and him alone. Not that you can't do that in private practice, but in the specific way that he was calling me. Yeah. And then baby number three, it was like, he hit me over the head. Like, yes, I want you to serve me and do this. But first I'm calling you to serve your family and be a mom. And it's going to be in that, that I'm going to develop your gift even more. And you're going to grow even more and also model what you preach, you know, <laughs> like, I don't want, it breaks my heart when the mission comes before the family, you know, and that happens. It's, it seems like an old school mentality, but it's still out there. Um, you sacrifice at all levels, even if it's your kids that you're sacrificing for the mission. And in a way I had embraced that. Um, but he's ripping that to pieces and showing me, no, no, no. Like I serve my family first. He handles the mission. Like it's this, it's almost like a, it's an act of faith to trust that he will handle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's really interesting about that. And I spoke to my husband, you know, Rich about this Mm -hmm. is that, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, and I don't know if I told you, I you know I recorded one before, and I recorded an episode, and the file was messed, destroyed, and then my other episode oh, I recorded for my dad. I had to deal with my dad, so I put that on hold. But it's interesting because as I was thinking about setting down a time with you, because you're a working mom, I'm a working mom, and stuff, and I wanted to talk to you is because I struggle with work and homeschool. I struggle also with saying no. And I was telling Rich that one of the times I think we were that I first met you, this is over a year and a half ago or so, maybe it's going to be two years soon. Uh-huh. I wanted to pin you down to do something. I don't remember if it was, I don't remember. I think it was just, and you said, hmm, let me think about that. Let me get back to you on that. And you said it so calmly and there was something else. And you said, let me pray on that and I'll get back to you. That was something else. These are two different instances. And I said to myself, you know, I need that calm. I need that lesson, you know. And to me, when you're talking about how God was calling you to be a parent first, to be a mother first, to be a homeschooling educator first, and then in the mission field, he would, you know, take up that lack is what I'm hearing from you, right? Would you know, help you through that and help the mission field and stuff um, and your clients. It reminds me of that moment of when you spoke to me, you said you paused in your gentle way that I love. And I wish, you know, I had more of that gentleness, you know, but the whole point of this podcast is the whole perfectionism. (laughs) So it's funny. And um, I could totally see you. I could see your personality stopping and thinking about that about what he was calling you into. And it's I see your whole family. And I would never think that you ever struggled to be a mom first. It is the furthest thing that I would have thought the way the kids behave with each other, the way I see your family interact, including your husband and you guys. And well, I mean, you met me two years. Loretta was a baby. Two. Yeah. I, 
she's three. Okay. She was one. So I was a year into this awareness and, um, I mean, maybe a little bit more like he was chipping away at it, but still, I think I just, I love the, the vision and the mission and the, the desire to care well for people that are, that are sacrificing and serving and, and going to the nations. Like I'm all in. And I, I hadn't, I didn't have that same level of passion at that time for my kids. I just didn't see it. It it was like, almost like my heart had been hardened to that. And he hadn't opened my heart to see that my kids are my mission field. And I know that's so basic. Like everyone gets that seems like, especially in this world, but. Jesse, not everyone gets it. Oh, well. It, it took, I felt like it took me a while. And now that I get it and I don't, I'm still learning. I still have a long way to go, but now that I get it at first, I was like, Lord, how can you possibly, when he called me to homeschool and it was so clear, like my friend, you know, Julie, she asked me about homeschooling when I met her because she knew she was going to homeschool her kids from the moment she got married, like before she even had kids, it was a topic of conversation when they were dating because her husband was homeschooled and it was very important to him. He wanted that. And so she, when I met her, was talking to me about how she was going to homeschool her kids. And I told her, oh, no, not me. There's no way I will ever do that. I mean, God will have to like make it abundantly clear. And so she always reminds me of that. She's like, remember when you said God will have to make it abundantly clear. Um, but I argued with him for a while because I was like, how can you call me to both of these things? Like you can't, I know you're still calling me to mission and now you're calling me to homeschool and there's no way I can do it. It's too much. And I was in, I mean, big time wrecked about this. Like it felt like too much. And at first it really did feel like too much. Um, And he showed me, I mean, this is what is just, changed my world so he showed me that it's not me (laughs) like I don't have to do it I just have to trust him and I just have to come to him each day for him to provide what I need for that day and and trust that he's if he's calling me to it he's gonna do it he's gonna provide the timing for me to serve and work he's gonna give me the energy I need to be there and present with my kids when I'm screaming in my mind of like, what am I doing? I just, man, it would be nice if my kids just went to school, (laughs) you know? Um, But he's so, so good and present and available. And it's just, it's grown me more than anything, even more than being a mom or being in ministry, but doing both and homeschooling has just, made me completely dependent on him. (laughs) It's amazing because what I hear is like you, you had to take yourself out a little bit of the equation and let him kind of keep talking and and pushing you through it. And that's, that's something I struggle with. I feel like I'm my biggest obstacle to a lot of things because um, Uh, we all are. And, um, you know, is this really what you want? And sometimes I feel like God's like, would you make a decision already? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be with you whichever way you go, you know. You've been on this fence for a while, child. You want to, you know, 
let's do something. Let's, you know. And so, um, yeah, so I appreciate you being able to say that because I understand what it is. It's almost like we're in our own way and, you know, God's telling us and, and I mean, plainly clear. Yeah, I think what he really wanted me to say was you you can't do it because I was like I can't do this I can't do this he's like no you can't well you just say it you can't do this but I can mm-hmm. will you let me do this will you trust me to do this and whew, yeah so I can't do it <laughs> okay so a little personal note I don't know you know you know that um, I didn't grow up in the faith I didn't grow up as a believer and. Um, so I used to make fun of homeschool moms. Oh, me too, girl. Listen, I did too. Homeschool teacher, I didn't think these kids knew anything because I didn't have a lot of exposure to homeschool kids. I will tell you that I remember in elementary school, um, a whole family moving in into our neighborhood, and this is in New York City in the projects. And this family moved in and they dressed like little house on the prairie and you know, they had never been schooled before. Um, interestingly enough, this was a Caucasian family with like broken English. I don't remember where they were from, but they were definitely country folk. It was plain. And I remember them, you know, the whole, it was a whole hubbub that they had never been in school before, that they had been homeschooled. Sweet, sweet kid. I think one of them was Dorothy, I want to I want to say, but that may have just been made up. <laughs> it sounds fitting. <laughs> I think it was Dorothy. Anyway, and so that was my first exposure. So imagine me, public school teacher, you know, I have this miracle baby that I love so much. I don't want to send them off to school for how many hours a day. And here where I live, the kids, the elementary school, they get on the school bus at 7, 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It doesn't let them out till 3.30 in the afternoon. And I was just like, it's a long time for my little baby kindergartner to be on the school bus. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I, I went from mocking to kind of understanding the homeschool world of, you know, um, nurturing and nurturing and a restful education. I just recently came upon that term and um, I don't know the real definition, but I'm assuming that a restful education is that, you know, you take your time with subjects and you um, learn as much as you can and, and you go deep and wide. And so as a formal teacher in a classroom, I thought it was, you know, ludicrous to have a restful education. 45 minutes, a bell rings, you got to go to your next class. What is this about restful? Come on, got to test it, you know. And so, and I've supervised teachers too. And um, now that I see it from a different angle and seeing it as a calling and stuff, I can definitely say that I thank God that he put that in my heart. And um, he gave me great, you know, examples of it. My neighbor I used to hear the kids outside all the time. I was like, don't they go to school? Like, you know, why aren't they going to school? Well, they were homeschooled. And I remember at a birthday party, I'm like, kids are so smart. (laughs) You know, they are so brilliant. Like, they're homeschooled. And, yeah. So I had a different um, interaction with homeschooled kids here in Texas. And it's really opened up my eyes. And I've just been um, enamored with the idea that I – I'm able to teach everything my son, you know, needs to learn. And um, because even I was very held back by my own um, lack of faith in myself that, you know, 20 years of teaching accounted for nothing for me when it came to teaching pre-K-3. You know, I was I was really baffled. And I have to do a whole 
video on that because you know it's we've complicated so much and i started looking up stuff and it was like oh you teach them to brush their teeth oh you teach them right and left you teach them how to butt and i was just like oh okay <laughs> i was teaching like you know um astrophysics or something to <laughs> so, yeah yeah there's definitely some freedom when the with the little ones and something i try and remind myself like they we try and age them up so quickly and I do it too, especially with my oldest, the firstborn, you know, I'm like, I I want him, I don't want him to be behind. And there's this, like, I'm not really, um, what's the word, uh, influenced that much by the homeschool world because I'm, I'm really not in it a whole lot. Um, mostly on personal choice, just because, I have found that when I'm in it, I do start doing the comparing and the like, oh, I think I, I'm just really sensitive too. And I pick up on the the spirit of perfectionism, like you're talking about. That's why I was so attracted to this podcast and the like, also this like wanting, wanting kids to be advanced and wanting them to be like, um, you know, everyone's talking about the reading level and when their kids started reading and, you know, it's just, it's a common thing. So I learned really quickly, I do better, the Lord's shown me, with just like not a whole lot of influence in my bubble of, of the things that he's called me to. So um, I have those boundaries that, and I don't know what it is that you remember that I paused on, but it may have been um, an invitation something huh it was a play date oh okay well that may have just been me like trying to figure out my time and uh, like capacity at that moment but um but I think at one time you invited me to like a homeschool convention or like a conference or oh, something yes. that was last year I think yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I like, I want to be one of those people that goes to the, the conferences and the conventions, but I get overwhelmed just by looking at Pinterest. Like, Oh, I understand. I, I get like, I get overwhelmed just by listening to other homeschool moms talk about, I mean, not all of them, It like in a one-on-one basis, like I love it, but like when, when a group and they start, everyone's kind of chipping in and talking and, and then wherever it goes, like sometimes it just makes me, I don't know, start, I'm tempted to start thinking, oh, I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing it right. Or I should be doing it this way. Or like it's, whereas if I limit those interactions, then I don't have the the temptation is not there as much. And I, I just like see the gifts that are in front of me and my kids and not necessarily looking outside of that. Love that. That is one of the best pieces of advice you could give any homeschooling parent or any parent on the face of this earth is see the gifts that I have in front of me. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I, you know, I too shared um, very early on in my homeschooling journey with watching a lot of YouTube videos Mm-hmm. listening to a lot of different podcasts this level of just perfectionism and everything like this and just you know I just couldn't live up to it I started getting depressed and I started facing a little bit of depression because I was trying you're going to laugh but I was even trying to change the way I speak 
I was trying to be softer. I was trying to be more docile. I was trying to practice even more peaceful parenting. You know, I've gotten Charlie to the point that I can just look at him now and he knows. So, you know, but I mean, there's not much peaceful than that. But I was really trying to change who I physically was in order to fit in into like homeschool communities. And I just had this level of stress and this level of anxiety and this level of perfectionism I was never going to attain to. And I remember, you know, <laughs> I remember someone telling me, um, I think you can do this. And I was like, yeah, but you know, I don't have this and I like this curriculum and I want to do this. And it started out with the curriculum too. I wanted oh, to gosh, me too. I went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Beautiful feet, but I liked something else. And then, you know, even when we were doing Spanish, I had so much input about which Spanish to use. And I'm like, but I really like this book and I like this. And so I was just like trying to my best because I had so many voices and so many different um, podcasters and people online and homeschool groups. I've actually left. I think I belong to only three homeschool groups now just so that I could see what's going on in my area because even that was becoming too much because someone would post a curriculum, like let's say five in a row and I would start, how come I don't know five in a row? And I would just start and then that will lead to something else. Well, maybe I'm not teaching him how to read and he reads, but I just had all this self doubt and I had to kind of turn off media, turn off other voices, turn off, um, podcasts and um actually one book really helped and it was um teaching from rest oh sounds good I like that. actually really helped settle me because i have a very fiery upbeat personality you know i have to, I have to balance between who i am and honoring that there's nothing wrong with me god made me this way you know, and and trying to find a balance between what they were talking about in these different books like rest without giving up who I was and being okay with that. So I appreciate you sharing your journey with that because I think a lot of people need to know that it's okay to be able to say no to some things until you figure out where you're at. Right. Yes to another thing. So Yeah. Before we got on, you texted me like how has COVID changed parenting or, or homeschooling and work. And I was thinking that's kind of a hard question because I was already working from home and I was already homeschooling. So compared to the majority of the world, those things didn't change for me. Um, but what did change, and this is what made me think about that, is it took everything else off the plate except for homeschooling and working from home, like uh, all the extras, um, co-op and Bible study. And uh, I think we did like hockey and um, just, you know, all the little extras. There was like every week, at least two to three things that we would do outside of the home. Mm -hmm. And it got wiped off the plate. And I remember, and that happened to everyone in the world, but I remember before that happened saying, and I was telling my best friend this, like something has to give. I have too much on my plate, but I don't know what to let go of. And I'm praying about it. And I'm just not getting any clarity. And then she, the next week was like, well, Jesse, you were saying something has to give and now it's all off, you know? <laughs> um, but the beauty in that, like it's been so 
I mean, it was, there was definitely some stress on the front end of just like, whoa, like those things were outlets for me. And I had to figure out like how to get my needs met without those outlets. And the kids did too. But the, the, the gift that's coming out of it is I really got to slowly put things back on the plate and, and learn like what really needs to be there and what doesn't. And I wouldn't have, I, it was so hard to figure it out when it was all there. Um, like, I don't know, this is a weird analogy, but have you ever downgraded a vehicle, like had a really nice vehicle and then went to like a really clunker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually it goes the other way. Die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, I I did that. I had this experience where like I had a nice vehicle. It was actually when I went to ministry and I decided like we needed to downgrade, like not have payments and like live more modestly. And um, and I remember at the time thinking like, oh my gosh, my van. Like I just like I loved my van. I had the the van with the heated seats and the buttons and the doors and you know the whole thing. And I loved it. It was so great with three kids to you know. Boop, boop, boop. Well, I didn't have to be at the time, but still anyway, um, I was so, I thought that giving up that van was going to be so hard. And I went from that to a little Mazda that was, I mean, we paid cash for it. It had nothing like had no automatic, anything. Um, it just drove and well, that's good. though. <laughs> yeah. 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 It drove. It was, it was a good, good vehicle, but, um, surprisingly it wasn't once I got the car and I was driving the car it was just it it just met our needs like it wasn't I didn't miss all the things in the van um and so I felt like that was this with COVID like when I had all the things I couldn't imagine losing all the things and then when I lost all the things and after I like adjusted to the new normal I I learned that I life was actually pretty good with just the way that it was. Um, and I can slowly put things back on and really weigh what is good for us. And like, we've decided not to do co-op now, and you know that. Um, and that was a really weighty decision for me, but it's been really good because it's just one less thing and everyone has their different things. But for me and with my time being so limited by yeah, it's limited. Yeah, I I really have to choose with my kids how I want to spend that time that I'm not working and and at this age and this stage and what who they are and who I am, we we thrive when it is just us. Um like those are when we Im- involve more people, they do great. They they're super extroverted and so am I. Um but it's I can't explain it. It's just something the Lord's taught me doing in this experience is that we, we still have the times with people, but we don't have it scheduled like a weekly appointment or something. I mean, we're putting things back in slowly, but so what anyway. I'm saying is you, you had to switch priorities a little bit to be able to serve your family better, which if you think about it, it's kind of being obedient to what God was asking you to do. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. 
but maybe in your head at that time is I can't with A, B, C, D, E. And he's like, you can, because I see things you're not seeing. And maybe it was just with A, B, and B, you know? And all the other things I think contributed, like, I think I was doing them more out of a insecurity of like, like we probably need this because I'm probably not enough. Like what I'm doing is probably not enough. Problem. Almost like, okay, if my kid is at the same level of these kids, then we're okay. And it felt like a weekly check for me and with several things. I will tell you that I've even looked up other state district guidelines for first grade to make sure that he was on par before I let him graduate from kindergarten because I needed to be sure. Even though my husband had been telling me for two or three months, you know, his friends were already moved on to the next grade, but I just needed to be sure. I understand completely. It's funny how sometimes we can listen to the voice of the world Mm -hmm. and other things as opposed to sometimes the messages and things that Heavenly Father has put on our heart, you know? And so it's something that's a, a... heart check for me recently so um and sometimes I feel like this pandemic um I've definitely grown closer to my family um you know everything I've dealt with with my dad um I definitely appreciate I I appreciate government institutions I appreciate everything that it takes to take care of, of an elderly person I appreciate nursing I appreciate a spouse who is willing to fill in in the areas that I I mean I honestly see life differently because of the coronavirus, you know, and as a school, sure. you don't have the eight to three o'clock in the afternoon. Like a lot of people do, you have your children here and you're schooling them the whole time. And to think that the world all got a taste of that, of having yeah. manage multiple scenarios um, while working. And we saw a lot of those funny videos, right? <laughs> Online of kids showing up in the zoo. <laughs> And stuff and it was funny but you know I can only imagine what some parents and stuff have to endure and I think that um some home educators we were blessed to be able to kind of already be thrown into that a little bit right yeah for sure so I wanted to ask you a question um ask you that so and you can feel free to answer this in the you know, because you're a therapist, right? And I want to, you to be able to honor that. Um, but have you ever been privy to brokenness that you experienced with listening to clients and things that happened in the mission field or whatever, and been able to apply some of the lessons learned there into your homeschool? Um, I mean, I feel like the way that I do counseling is it's mutual impact. So, and I feel like that's what makes it successful is I'm, I'm a real person who's equally impacted by them as much as they are by me. Um, And the beauty in that is that they, they get to experience like a real relationship, you know, where, it's not this dichotomy of authority and power. And it starts out that way just because people do that. But like we work towards that not being the case. And so I feel like every one of my clients influences me. Um, and the Lord uses to, to, I don't, I don't 
work with them for that purpose. Like that's, I'm not doing this so that they can serve me, but I, but I just think that the Lord created us that way. Um, that relationships are that way. They're bi-directional. They be mutually influencing, um, the healthy ones and good ones. Um, so yeah, I've definitely been impacted by, uh, my clients and their stories. And, um, I think like, I, I think more like in parenting terms, not so much of homeschool. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Maybe. I think I talked to my kids a lot about how different where we live is compared to other places in the world. Um, they know that the people I work with are in different time zones and it's nighttime there and it's morning here. It's nighttime here and it's morning there. I've told them how like the, I see the sun rising behind them, um, you know, um, and we talk a lot about, I mean, I'm really honest with them about how the freedom that we have to love the Lord openly and to listen to Christian music. I mean, anytime we hear Christian music in a public place, I'm like, guys, you don't understand. Like it gives me like, it's like, I get teary. Like you don't understand the freedoms that we have. And, um, there are people all over the world that don't have this freedom. And, um, there are people who sacrifice greatly and their kids sacrifice greatly. Um, so that, other people can have what we have or it, like as far as a relationship with the Lord goes. Um, so that's a big part of how it influences my life. I also talk just about cultural differences to my kids a lot. Um, Cause that's really important to me that they don't just grow up thinking that this is the way the life is. And that, I mean, they will tell you those, they say it all the time. Like it's actually really uncommon in the world for for people to have cars, especially two vehicles in a family. And it's like, we're the wealthiest people in the world, you know, um, even though compared, like they're able, they've experienced just in our life that there are people who have more money than us and less money than us. And I tell them, but compared to the rest of the world, even the people you've encountered are still the richest people in the world compared to the rest and things like that. Like, I think I've been really influenced by my, my clients in the mission world in that way. And I want my kids to know they haven't got to go uh, overseas yet, but I just think that's a matter of time. Um, wow. They want to, and they, I'm pretty sure they will uh, with, with me at some point, but um, it's really, we read a, a book. Oh, what is it called? It's intense. Oh, it's not coming to me. It's like about the first, huh? About missionary stories. Yeah, I mean, it's about the. Um, it's an Anvil side year one and two book. It's it's about the first like the development of the church, the first church leaders, the big time saints. Like almost all of them are martyred or or suffer for the gospel and um they're these short stories of each one and um 
gosh, it's going to drive me crazy. Anyway, we read that and uh, let me know and I can add it to the show notes. Okay. Okay. Um, I can't believe it's not community. This is what nine o'clock at night looks like. <laughs> um, a little later when the kids are all down and yeah, I'll text you. Um, I mean, I can see it anyway. Um, it's an intense book and it's, uh, there's a lot of controversy about it. I I've seen moms saying like, Oh, I wouldn't read that to my kids. And I think it does depend on your kids. My kids aren't like really sensitive. Um, I mean, they're, they are emotional, but they're not, I wouldn't call them sensitive. Like they don't get scared easily. Um, and so we read it and we talk about it and they've seen me like crying, reading it. And they're like, mama, you're crying. I'm like, I know. It's like, some of the sweetest, um, sensitive kids I've ever, I mean, and encouraging kids I've ever. Oh, that just is. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I mean, that's a huge, I think we all have like a, you know, our own family culture. And I think a big part of our family culture, we always joke is like, number one, Jesus, number two, food, like we love food and we love to cook and we're always talking about food. (laughs) Um, And then number three, like multicultural, like we talk about culture a lot, like because anything that's like American I'll be like, that's American. You know, not everybody thinks that way. That's, you know. Um, And then my best friend, one of my very best friends lives across the street and she's from Mexico and her kids speak Spanish. And so we, our kids are buddies. And um, I mean, she, when they go to her house, it's a different cultural experience than here. Um, And we talk about that all the time and how, and I love it. And, you know, it's just a part of our world. And um, how excited you were when you found out that I was going to be teaching Spanish and Lise was going to be teaching. That was really cool because you're, I, it's funny because I wrote that down about our first experience, you know, of us meeting was, where did I put it? Oh, I left it over there in the notepad. Yeah. But I remember your face lighting up when you found out I spoke Spanish. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I love that they like, you're, you're not only like you're Latina and Indian, like you have this in New York. Like (laughs) I remember meeting you and being like, Whoa, I got to know your story. And I want my kids to know your story. Like I, that's a, just a huge value of mine for them to know that this, for them to have diversity in their life and um, you know, we live in Texas, like it's, it, I guess that we have the diversity with Mexican culture, but you don't, you, you could exist without finding it, um, or being exposed to it if you wanted to. Um, it would be hard, but hard, it'd be hard. Um, but I mean, Anyway, um, my, my sister-in-law is also, she's from Monterey. And so, um, it's really fun too, to have like a Latina in the family. And we always joke, like she's my Latina hermana. And, um, I have two Latina hermanas and the kids know that. And, um, so it's, that's a big thing about my life. But I think as far as like your question's hard to answer, cause I'm sure it has happened a ton where I'm super impacted. I, I, I feel like 
the biggest thing that was just overarching um, gratitude is my experience of like being with my clients and hearing about suffering and their experiences is like, I'm just, um, I realized the privilege, the privileges that we have and how, how blessed I am. And, um, it makes me really want to love my husband well and my kids well, um, just from different stories, you know, uh, of, cause I, you know, people talk a lot about their childhood trauma and, I have my own history of loss. And so just wanting to be as present and available as possible when I am available is important to me. That all feeds into some of that. What I hear is, you know, when you say things like, I want to love my family well and love my husband well, I think that you have such a respect and appreciation for the clients you serve and um, for understanding where they're coming from and the privilege you have to be able to live in this country free and mm-hmm. to express yourself freely. And um, I teach kids in China and um, I can't even say happy Easter. If I mm-hmm. say happy Easter, it has to be all around, revolve around the bunny and I just refuse to do it. So I don't bring up Easter because I can't do so in a manner that wouldn't get them in trouble. Right. Yeah. Send it in a WeChat. I can't even um, send them across and tell them, you know, I have used praying hands, but like, you know, especially during the coronavirus, I've um, told my students I've been praying for them and stuff. So I definitely have an appreciation for being here and being able to um, live our way, our lives in a way that honors our religion, whatever religion that may be. You know, I come from a Muslim background, but to have the freedom to be able to practice um, my faith is important to me. So I appreciate you having, um, mentioning how that intersects in your life a little bit, that gratitude that intersects. So, um, and lastly, I wanted to know if you could give us a, give us a, um, actually two more things. Um, what does a typical day look like for a working mom? and a homeschooling mom. So you're a home educator and you're a working at home mom. Yeah, I like want to get out my Google calendar and show you. <laughs> yeah, like see all the, um, so uh, this was also a work in progress, but I feel like um, it's different every day because, but every day each week is the same. So like every Tuesday is the same and every Wednesday is the same, but, but Monday, Tuesday, Monday through Friday is different. Um, and that's just based off of like how I've scheduled. Cause I have the freedom to schedule my work around my schedule. So, um, I, and my husband is my biggest supporter and, uh, he like, supports me by making it possible for me to do things like this and, and be with the kids. And so I, I see clients I on, and I limit the amount of clients that I see because, um, I also do a lot of the overseeing of the ministry. Like I oversee every basically contact that comes in and making sure that they're getting connected to the right resources. And I do, I mentioned, I'm doing a lot of phone calls Pretty much every afternoon between two and four thirty, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm emailing and on the phone. Yeah. Um, and then Thursday evenings, I am seeing clients, and all day Sunday, so I go to early 
service church or watch it on the screen, however that's working for that time. And then um, Kevin has, a, the kids have a daddy day all day Sunday and I work until like seven at night. Um, and it's, it's a long day, but it works best for us because I can see all the clients uninterrupted and he can have a day with the kids and they love it. They love daddy day. They get lots of mommy days. So they love daddy day. And then we have family day Saturday. And the way I look at it is Saturday is my Sabbath. Um, like I, I have one day of Sabbath and I've gone through waves of feeling like, man, maybe I should just get like, have I want two weekend, two days in the weekend, you know, <laughs> like it, that would be nice. Um, uh, but I feel like this at this stage in our life, that this is what works best for us. And the Lord is really gracious and showing me that I really only need at this time, the one, and he provides rest in other ways. Um, so, so that's one of my big chunks of time are Thursday nights and on Sundays. One way that I've like learned to do this is when I'm working, I'm working when I'm with the kids I'm with the kids. Uh-huh. And like, I, I have to train my brain and like really hold strong boundaries for myself to like not pick up the phone and answer the email. I mean, I do work with a job where there are crises. And so I do somewhat have to be available to my phone. Um, but if it's not a crisis, even though I could respond, I make myself not, you know, I'm like, I see that that can wait until two, you know, I'm not going to start working until two o'clock until then I'm with the kids. And, um, that has been so helpful for me and there is flexibility, you know, there has to be in this life. Um, but it's really helpful for me to have those boundaries. And then, so a typical day looks like I'll just do today. Um, my alarm goes off at five thirty in the morning. That's not for everyone. Good morning, I'm seeing you, and I'm like, oh, good morning, because I'm assuming I'm the only crazy. Not I love that you text that early. I'm like, hey, you're up too. We're both up with the Lord. I love it. And yeah. oh, there's someone else doing it. Uh huh. Yeah, but I always say that's not for everyone because. Um, I think that some people see that and they think that, oh, that's what I need to do. And um, it's just what I found to work for me. Yeah. So I I wake up early. I make coffee. I sit in my little spot on the couch. I've got my Bible, my journal, and it's not every single day. I have it scheduled on my phone every single day except for Saturday. So my phone goes off every morning at 530, even on Sundays, because I need that before going in to stay in clients. So I have that time in the morning, about an hour. My kids wake up at 630, um, sometimes before, but I don't let them come out of their rooms until 630. Um, I have early risers. And then right there. What was that? That's a mama tip right there. Make them stay in their room. Charlie has. I mean, you know, we have a small house and two of them share a room. So sometimes if it's the one that shares with the other one, and she's up and I know she'll wake up the other one, then I'll like let her sit up and she has to be quiet with me. But you know, you work it out, whatever works for you. Um, and then I, uh, let's see, 6.30, I start making breakfast usually. I mean, this is like best case scenario. There's definitely days where I'm like, 
we're not even getting started till 930 because I just need two more cups of coffee, you know, but, <laughs> but best case scenario. Let's go at 11 in the morning because whatever happened, I don't know. Right. I, no judgment. Um, but on like the, like best case scenario day, making breakfast at 630, we're starting school at 738 um, because they're already up eating. We've already cleaned the table. They're already getting dressed, getting their teeth brushed. Um, usually the dishes stay. I don't do the dishes unless it just so happens that the Lord makes it possible. But um, usually the dishes stay until the end of the day. Um, and then we start with school. Uh, we have a really gentle, like my kids are still young. So we do math, we do reading, we do writing and we read, I do, I, the curriculum I follow is Ambleside online, which is basically just, um, a Charlotte Mason book list. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we read a lot of books and that's their favorite time is snack and story. And that's what we end the day with is snack and story. Um, Sometimes I have to do some things depending on their attitudes and their mm -hmm. uh, commitment to what we're doing later. But I tried since it's their favorite, that's what we end with. And um, we do it after Spanish, which Spanish is like 10 minutes. And it's just like saying something in Spanish and doing what you're saying until they can do it and say it. And then we are done. Um, so like, uh, se pio los dientes. Um, maybe still, uh, like, you know, but I love it and they love it. Yeah. And, um, me lava los manos, like, like whatever, we just do something and we say it as we do it. Okay. Um, so I don't really have a curriculum. I just, <laughs> I just, at this point, we're just using it and you do, you're using it while you're doing something. You're yeah. doing I heard that somewhere and I was like, done. That's how I learned it. And in, in when I lived in Costa Rica, like, I don't know what this means. I can't translate this, but I know that when I open the door, I say, abro la puerta. Like, I mean, at that time I could probably translate that to, I open the door, but, but they, I don't ever translate it to them. Anyway, I feel like I need to share that with you as my Spanish teacher. <laughs> Um, so then we do, uh, we just started saying Boca Dia y Historia. So we go from Espanol, Boca Dia y Historia, and we do our story and snack. And then like three days a week, we try, my goal is to go, this started since COVID. We had way many other things to do, but now we go to the track. There's this little track in my neighborhood. It shares the playground with the school so that's kind of interesting because we're out there with our recess when they're having their recess um and it's fine I just tell my kids don't play with them I know you want to and that's weird to say not to but they're not I don't think they're supposed to interact with other kids other than in their classes like the teachers are responsible to keep them protected or whatever with COVID so um they they play on like the track part where the kids are and they take their wheels, their bikes and scooters and whatever. Um, and I try and walk or run, just get outside. Um, and then we come back, we eat lunch and then we have like 
quiet time, nap time. Um, Loretta, my three-year-old sometimes naps, probably like 20% of the time she'll take a nap. I know, I, I just know those days when I'm like, I need to put her down for a nap. Um, but the rest of the time they play quietly. This has been a learned thing over time that's taken practice, but they've learned quiet time. I also give them a treat after quiet time if they're, if they're quiet and that has helped. So they get like after quiet treat during that time is when I make my second cup of coffee for the day. <laughs> and I have my own little quiet time. Yeah. Um, not long. I don't have a long quiet time, but enough to be like, okay, I feel like I'm restarting. Like I'm, I'm closing the door of mom and I'm opening the door of work have my coffee, pray, and then I open the computer. And sometimes I go out, this is my little office in the backyard. Um, my sweet husband and um, our small group help make this possible. Um, so a lot of times if I need to like actually separate myself from them, then I come out here. And for two and a half hours, I let them destroy the house. That's what I do. This is that imperfect parenting. Like, they don't, they only get 30 minutes. Yeah. They get 30 minutes of screen time. Um, but they have to earn it by like their attitudes and their like stuff. They have to earn it. And then after the 30 minutes of screen time, they, and it has to be in Spanish during the week. <laughs> oh my gosh. This bug. I got to close my door. Hold on. Um, Okay, it's nice out, so I was having the door open, but June bugs are flying in. Um, so then, I don't know if you wanted this this detail, but this is how it goes. Um, it's good. Okay, so then I work. I'm on the computer answering emails, phone calls, things like that. I usually am on the phone with a therapist, like in Virginia, and I'm and they, she can hear. It. I'll be like, "Mommy, she hurt my toe. She stole my thing. He did this," and I'm like. I'm sorry, just a minute and like address the situation. Yeah, and then people to hear that, you know, it happens everywhere now. So Yeah, yeah. And like since COVID, everyone's like, Oh yeah, I totally get it. I'm like, well, this has been my life since before COVID, but I'm glad you get it now. Um, so I'm I just tell them like I am doing life on mission. Like this is what missional life looks like. Like I'm a mom and I'm 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 on mission and so um, and I, when I'm with clients, we make sure to not have the interruptions, but, um, the other stuff can have interruptions if it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so attention. So, yeah. Yeah. And then around four thirty, so four thirty is my boundary usually, um, unless things are just going magically, you know, the kids are happy and, you know, which happens occasionally. Um, but 4.30, I'll get off and then I'll start making dinner. Um, and I make dinner and my husband gets home usually around six is usually when we eat dinner. I like make, I cook, we cook, like we cut up carrots and onions and potatoes and like we, we cook. So it takes I don't, I don't even know how to make frozen food really that well. So I, and that's not like some crazy, like, I don't, it's not like a belief of mine. I was just raised that way. I grew up like that way. Yeah. yeah so it's all I know. Um, so it takes me an hour to make dinner and then, 
we eat and then we usually do baths and bed and we have the kids in bed by 7 30. Um, we're so. trying it's not working yeah I mean this is this is that's like the magic day you know that it doesn't always look like that <laughs> but it's what I wouldn't give for my son to be in bed at by 7 30 and it's uh, you know it's not his fault I don't like him if I finish dinner late because I too you know cook we have food allergies so kind of hard to find things that we can eat off the bat oh my gosh and then you know it's 6 45 or 7 o'clock and it's like to rush you know and I don't want him to go to bed you know on such a full stomach and I want him to digest and stuff but maybe I just need to send him to bed well I mean the only way I've been able to figure out like it's the only way that my kids are in bed at 7 30 is if I start making dinner at 4 30 it's like the magic number 4 30 I if, if it's any later they're gonna be in bed later um so I hate that I, I'm like it's 4 30 in the afternoon and I'm making dinner this is something's wrong with this picture but <laughs> no but that's the way that it is. Imagine you get off of work at six to make dinner. Yeah, I know. I know. And then you have to rush to get them to bed because you have to rush to get them up. And I did that. I mean, when when Carson was in kindergarten, I did that. And that was rough. I, I mean, one of the biggest motivators for me for homeschooling was like the clock. Like I hated being a slave to the clock and being stressed out by the time. Um, I had no idea how stressful that would be getting them up and getting them going and getting them down and getting all the things together. And, you know, oh, it makes me stress just thinking about it. <laughs> the next question for you is how do you run your race? So the apostle, you know, we learned from the apostle Paul to run our race, right? Not to look to the sides. How do you run your race? What is the best way and the best tools you've found to keep you focused on your goals? Oh man, it's just my relationship with the Lord. No doubt. I just can't, I, it's not just that I couldn't do homeschooling and ministry and family. Like I, I couldn't do basic. I couldn't be a kind person. Um, like without him, I just, not that that's not possible for other people, but it's not possible for me. Without him, when I'm not dependent on him, I'm critical and I'm judgmental and I'm impatient and um, I'm, yeah, self-righteous. And so with, I need him and I need his word and I need, and, and my biggest tool of all is worship. I am, worship music is, it's my biggest weapon to um, against the enemy and to stay like where I need to be with him. And I have it playing like as soon as that, that six 30 when my kids get out of bed and I start making breakfast worship music. And when it's not playing, I'm singing it. <laughs> and when I'm not singing it, I should be singing it. Um, and when, when we're like, things are going all wrong. I I mean, which happens. I mean, today was one of those days, like my kids got grounded and which basically just means they don't get anything that they want. <laughs> they don't get screen time. They don't get friends. And, um, just because, 
you know, they were, it was a rough day and I hated doing that, but, um, in the midst of them, like the meltdowns and them being like horrific to each other and fighting over every single thing, like the only way I can do this is by clinging to the Lord in prayer and in worship. Um, when I don't feel like, even when I don't feel like it, like definitely don't feel like singing right now, but I've learned enough over time that if I start singing, it will shift the atmosphere in my home. Yeah. Um, It will shift. It will soften my heart. It will change everything. Um, I don't know if singing is the key for everyone, but it's, it's it's the gift that he's given me. And (laughs) that is why I play piano. I am not gifted. Vocally, well, I'm not saying necessarily because I'm an excellent singer, but I think it's just I think it's just speaking the words um, of worship and acknowledging who He is and my need for Him. And um, I mean, even tonight before this call, uh, Loretta got out of her bed for like I guess it felt like forever. It wasn't that long, but she got out of the bed many, many times. And I was really frustrated because Ruby's trying to sleep and she kept waking her up. And um, (laughs) I wanted to just spank her. And then my, I was reminded, like, just sing. So I sang, um, I don't even know that actually, there's power in the name of Jesus is what I sang. Um, good old school one. There's power, yeah. power, wonder working power. Um, no, not that one. Not that one's a good one too. But there is power in the name of Jesus that break every chain, break, break every, every chain, break every chain. Yeah, that one. Um, uh, anyway, and then she started singing "Jesus Loves Me" because that's her favorite song. She heard Jesus, and so then I'm like, oh, see, here I am, just wanting to like spank you to bed. And said, I'm going to sing Jesus Loves You to Bed. Why didn't I think about that? <laughs> because we're not perfect and we're works in progress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, it's, it's, he is what sustains me and my life and my sanity and everything. Um, I'm so grateful that I have that. Um, grateful. I want everybody to have that. Right. I do too. And, you know, um, I just I just pray that um, in this quest for perfectionism, we can kind of look back and go, hey, I'm not perfect. I can't do it perfectly, and but I know the one who is. And I know that he can make up for that lack in my life. And, yeah. you know, I have a lot of lack, and I'm so grateful that I know um, the one who was perfect and who could point me. Amen. To so. Amen. I tell my kids that, too. Have you ever told your kids that? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, no. I don't know what to do. Oh, I tell them that. And they're like, what? Like, I've never been a parent before. I I don't know. This is new. I'm, this is. I don't even tell my daughter that, you know, I have a daughter. And I don't tell her that. Mm-hmm. I think she, uh, being the older, well, she may need that some days. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just said it to Ruby yesterday. She's like laying on the floor, going through this like phase of power struggle. She's six. I'm like, thought we should have gotten through this at three. Like, what is happening? Probably didn't. Um, 
terrible twos. He had a terrible threes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Threes are always worse, um, in my opinion. But she's six. And what is happening? She, She's like on the floor in her underwear because she doesn't want to put clothes on. She wants to leave. She wants to go with us, but she doesn't want to put clothes on because I told her to. Oh, so I'm. I'm sitting there and I'm like, and she's like crying, really upset. I'm like, Ruby, I am sorry. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know what to do. Like, do we not go? Because you won't put your clothes on. Do I, do I physically put clothes on you? Do I like spank you to get you up off the floor so that you stop doing this and you put clothes on? I don't know. What is the right thing? And she's like, I don't know. Like me either. (laughs) But this isn't working. (laughs) Anyway, that that's been helpful to me lately. <laughs> Telling them I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Here, mom, let me help you. Let me quit my tan. Yeah, that's right. Good. Yeah, it's almost yeah, like it, acting without telling them you're redirecting. Yeah, no, it did. It did seem that way, and really, it was just me being at a, a loss. But it seemed to work, and then I tried it again later with Carson. Um, of like, I don't know what to do with you. Like you have got to stop hitting people. Like he's so physical, just runs up and like punches him in the stomach. Like it's how he says hello. And, and, and like, you got to stop this. Like, what do I do? I don't, but I don't know how to make you stop. I know you're not trying to be mean. And, and he told me to tell him a code word. Like it was his idea. Tell me a code word, and his code word is. Well, don't tell us. Oh, okay. Yeah, I probably shouldn't tell you. Okay. It's really funny. I'm like, okay, so we have a code word. And and that all came from the me, like, telling Ruby, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do. And, And then I feel like this code word has really helped with Carson. That stemmed from, again, I don't know what to do. Like, you've got to stop doing this, but I don't know. Can I tell you, you know, you say I don't know, but I think it's genius because it's like giving them a personal little personal responsibility. So, you know, you give me some options here because what I'm doing is not working. And I think it's a perfect, it's a student teaching technique. It's like, you know, you get, you limit the options kids have, the less problems you have. Don't, you know how they have those syllabuses with like 30 rules and blah, blah. what? Who's reading that? You know, I was that parent on the other end who worked 12, 14 hours, you know, Sorry. to read that whole, like, you know, but you give them three or four rules or you say, like, what do you think? Come on. What do you think? And they're just trying to, oh, well, then, I don't know. You, you're asking me what I think. It's that level of importance now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This has just blown my mind this week. I think I, I, I am not, like, I don't have a lot of training in I mean, I have a lot of training in counseling theory, but actually not developmental stuff. I've never worked with kids um, and I've never done, I've never taught. Um, so all of this is very new to me. Um, but by the grace of God, I think he's what I've been praying for and asking him to show me is humility. Like I want to, I want to be humble. Hmm? You're showing your kids humility. 
Yeah. Yeah. By his grace. I mean, he like praying for humility is hard. Believe me. Like that's one of those things. It's like praying for patience, <sighs> pray for humility. He will give you that good gift of humility. Um, <laughs> but, but it's been like so sweet to see. And something that I didn't really see a lot of was like, this ability to be broken from my parents. Like there was, a, there was the perfection piece for sure in my um, childhood. So just, you know, my dad's a surgeon, he's type A, like he doesn't really know any, God made him that way so he could be really good at what he does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we want surgeons that are perfectionists. <laughs> Sorry, there's a bug. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but having that personality as being parented by it, it's made me think, okay, I, I, it would have been nice to see his weakness and not like him identify it himself. Um, and so I'm working on doing that with my kids and working on it with the Lord. My daughter kind of floored me a little while ago when she said some things to me. She went, oh, when you were your, when I was your, when you were my age, you already did A, B, C, D. And I had to kind of stop and think about that and be like, well, you're not me. And I'm not you. My daughter's a very talented filmmaker. She works in um, film and oh, yeah. she knows all these things. I'm just learning how to do this stuff. And, you know, she's like, oh, you just do this and you do that. And I'm like, <laughs> and so sometimes I think that um, we could serve our, well, you're teaching me rather, which is why I'm so glad you're here is, you know, we may be able to serve our kids a little bit the way um, we serve others um, and have them almost be missionaries to them while showing them a little bit of our weakness that we're not perfect. Yeah. Um, we're trying yeah. to figure out too. So I yeah, the Lord's really been speaking that to me lately about serving my kids. Wow. And that is something that I think I pushed back on. Like I want my, like I was so afraid and anything that's, you know, motivated by fear is probably not from the Lord, but like my fear was, I don't want my kids to be, um, like to just receive, 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 you know, and like expect to be served. Um, but so I want to be like, like they would say, can I have some water? I'd be like, yeah, you can go get yourself some water. You know, like that was a common interaction in our house. The cups are right there. You know where the water is. And then lately, I've been, because just what the Lord's doing in my time with him, like, I've been like, you know what? Um, let me get you some water. Can It looks like you need some water, you know? Yeah. And and that seems like so silly. Like, wh why is it a big deal to fill my, I think most parents probably already do that a lot. But for me, I wanted them to be so independent and so like, I don't know, I I'm just, I'm working, this is a work in progress at the moment, but um, today Carson was just like so grateful that I got him water without him asking. Like, I was like, oh, it looks like you need some more. Let me get, get you some more. He was like, thanks mom. Thanks for getting me water. I was like, oh, that's what I want. I want gratitude. Like not for me, but I want them to just see that. And I want to model 
like I think they learn more probably from modeling. I can tell you that when I usually had a troubled, um, and I'm looking because the Zoom is probably going to knock us Yeah. But whenever I've had a student who's really, really struggling in one area, and I wind up meeting the parents, and not always, but, you know, I usually see a lot of the behavior that the students demonstrating in class mm-hmm. coming out, including, you know, sometimes hitting. And, you know, I've been through some interesting parent-teacher conferences, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. kind of step back and you go, yeah, you're saying whatever you're saying, but this kid ain't listening to you. He's watching exactly everything what you're doing. And so I've had to um, break, I've had um, some rather serious cases sometimes too. I've had to break my students from um, some cycles of what they were seeing and what they were doing because it's it's really tough. But yes, they are definitely watching. It's something I'm learning um, in the car. Charlie, you know, um, Charlie decided to get baptized two weeks ago. And um, he got baptized. Yeah, he said that. Oh, I don't know. He's been, something's awakened in him that he doesn't like bad talk in the car, you know, and not that we're throwing F-bombs or anything. I may, honestly, I don't know. And so, you know, he's like, that's not nice. Take it back. And I'm like, what did I say? You have to make yourself like now, like, I don't know what I said, you know, did I say, what did I say? Did I say a bad word? And it's like, you call, you said that idiot. And I'm like, I did say that. And I'm driving and I'm realizing, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm assuming he's looking at the trucks and the cars and, you know, somebody cut me off. And I just realized how in tune he is with things right now that even language is upsetting him. Mm-hmm. I had a whole to do about it because he was very upset. And I was like, I'm sorry. I apologize. I had to teach him. We had to talk about, you know, like little things. And hey, I'm probably going to use the word idiot again. But do I want him walking around calling people idiot? Probably not. You know you know what I mean? So I have to be careful what I'm yeah. on doing because, you know, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like that behavior. And honestly, is that what I want, you know, my child to walk around? Right. I didn't think he was paying attention. He most certainly is. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, my little six-year-old preaching at me now. <laughs> yeah, my my eight-year-old is a backseat driver. Like, I yeah, that I'm like, how is this? How is he telling me how to drive? How is this happening? <laughs> uh, yeah. Would you like to tell everyone where they could reach you if they have any questions? Um, and by the way, thank you guys for hanging in with us. I'm probably going to do some editing. I don't know what. But yeah. I appreciate you being with us because it was very candid and I love that. And um, we went, I had a lot of questions, but it was really, I love a lot of the things that came out, especially like the underlying topic of obedience, you know, where God tells us something and we don't, we're not paying attention to it in the moment. So I appreciate your candidness with that because like I said, one of my goals is <clears throat> I was very depressed when I was first starting to learn about homeschooling. And thinking I couldn't do it, even though, you know, I have my own background in education. And I feel like the reality of homeschooling and, and what it really looks like as opposed to a, a TV show where you have a set and everything it needs to happen. So I appreciate your being able to share your heart about that with us and um, for me to be able to 
share that with other people that, you know, we have to break down these walls of perfectionism to be able to show kids the reality of life and, you know, what they're going to face. And it's not going to be pretty all the time, but we can get through it. Right. Yeah. 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 I love that. Ugly, but they're worth millions, aren't they? (laughs) And you're a wonderful mom and a wonderful teacher. I'm sorry that you were attacked by that on the front end. And I had a a bit of that too. It probably presented more as anxiety than depression, but I definitely was an anxious wreck there for a while. Um, Overloaded with information and options and um, yeah, also felt like I had to make the right decision and there's only a right one. There's got to be right way. And that is spoken out there like, oh, this is the right way. And this is the right way. And this, yeah. Um, So I just got back in my hole where I do best. (laughs) I like put my head to the good book and prayer and found my way. I'm still finding my way, I guess I should say. Um, But yeah, so you can, if you're interested, if anyone is interested in the uh, ministry stuff, you can find our website is Oaks Counseling dot org um and yeah um and you can find we have like a intake line on there Uh, i think i'm sure people hearing this might know someone who's a missionary who could use counseling um which is like every missionary uh so uh send them our way or or if you feel led um donate and we could always use the support uh, so that we can keep doing what we're doing and um, mostly if you feel led, then just pray, pray for us and the work that we're doing. And I would always welcome prayers for me and my family and, um, and just to be faithful to the call and that he continues to provide. And I continue to look to him, um, for that endurance that is needed for this uh, daily struggle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jesse, thank you so much. And um, Oaks Counseling, where um, Jesse works at, is a 501. It's a 501. Yeah. Is that the right term? Yes. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, I'll have that information for you guys in case you want to um, look them up and see what they're about and, you know, um, see if you want to contribute or something. But I appreciate your time because I it's 945 and I know you have a lot of stuff and a lot of rest and you got to get up early tomorrow, but I appreciate the time that you gave us to be able to talk about something that's really close to my heart and how do we, you know, manage it all as we're trying to fulfill a career that we're love and passionate about and be able to educate our children at the same time. So I wish you guys well. If you guys have any questions, you can find me at mamaschool.co and mamaschool at gmail.com. So, um, Bye, guys. I will see you soon. Thanks, Jesse, for being here. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Bless you, Selena.